0: Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you're joining the conversation. All right. Welcome back to Becoming Church. This is going to be a great episode for anybody who wants to learn more about the Bible or figure out what they believe. And actually, you may not have a real theology degree by the end of this, but you could be confident that you could if you wanted to. Thanks to my guest, Felicia Masonheimer. Felicia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Kristen. Thanks for having me.
0: So excited to have you. I listen. I know that was a big promise to make right up front. But that's really your belief, right? I know you've got a book coming out called "Every Woman a Theologian," yeah, because you believe that everyone—not just men, but women and everybody—can can learn and understand and know these things.
1: Yes, absolutely. It should be accessible for every Christian because we all already have a theology. We already have assumptions and views of who God is, and so we just want to make sure that that theology is biblical and true, and that means that understanding what we believe and why we believe it should be accessible for everybody, you know, whether or not they ever go to seminary.
0: Yeah. And tell me, well, tell our listeners for those that it's very clear for some of us, like, right, we are both women who study the Bible and learn and teach and write about it and all of these things. But for some people, they may not understand why your focus is like, hey, women you also can do this and we'll get to the book later, but why, why is that something that you think needs to be addressed?
1: Well, I started to notice early on in my ministry career that a lot of women's conferences, even conferences, I was being invited to come and speak at were very focused on these feel good kind of messages or very shallow teaching. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of, you're a beautiful daughter of the King. God loves you. Um, you know, you have a purpose in this world. You're worthy. And I thought, you know, a lot of these things are true in Christ, but we're not being told why they're true or where that worth and purpose comes from. And we're also not being told what the power of the Christian life is. Like, I don't know how to take this message. I just heard at this women's conference home and actually see it change my Mm. marriage or my singleness or my job. Like there's, there's no real like engine behind these messages. So, these women would come to these conferences and be really, really encouraged and get this emotional high. And then they would go home and it was like it just would drop off, or they would not know how to actually study their Bibles or apply scripture. And they thought that because they weren't ever going to be in a pastoral position, most of these women never, you know, yeah. planning to be in a pastoral position at a church, that they didn't need to understand. What the Bible says, or read the Bible for themselves, or you know, study theology. And what I t- have tried over the last almost seven years to teach them is that you already have a theology, and you have incredible influence in your home, over your family, your extended family, your neighbors, your coworkers. You're a witness for Christ, and that means that. You have to be able to explain what you believe. And to do that, you have to know what you believe. So it's all kind of a domino effect. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think
0: there is a difference and people have even talked about women specifically how it does seem to be like, and this is a very, very, I'm painting with a very broad brush here, but you know, like men's conferences or whatever guys weekends, they get together and they do all of this stuff. And then the women's conferences, they get together and it's like, have a coffee. You are pretty like, which is great and true. And like, I want coffee and I want someone to tell me I'm pretty, but yes, like, I also would like, you know, the same deep stuff that the guys are getting.
1: Yep. There was a a TikTok I saw that was a husband (laughs) and wife who were joking about this, where the husband's like, I'm going to this men's conference and it's amazing. We're going to learn about the nature of God and How the Holy Spirit works. And the wife was like, I'm learning about decorating cupcakes. I want to go to (laughs) this conference.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Fix it, Jesus. Let's not make it be this way. Well, so you seem to have really a heart for, I'm using like air quotes, but like real people. Like you said, that we have influence over our coworkers and our families and the people that we interact with on the day to day. Um, Did you ever consider? going into vocational ministry or is this kind of always just been your sweet spot?
1: Um, yes, I have never considered going into vocational ministry. Okay. Um, I never planned to work at a church and I don't, I'm not on staff at a church. I am on the teaching rotation at my church. So okay. I do teach and I'm accountable to my pastors um, as a parachurch ministry, which I think is important but I'm not on staff at a church and I never have been. We've been in volunteer capacities over the years. So I never had that goal. I actually was quite happy with a career in higher education. Um, and I had a book deal offered to me to write about that topic because that was yeah. my expertise in, in my career. And then in my mid twenties, the Lord just completely changed that trajectory and led to what we are doing today, running this international ministry every woman the theologian. So I see it as it was just the next faithful step yeah. in obeying what God asked of me in these little places and it always was to, you know, quote unquote real people. Yeah. I generally don't minister to ministers. You know, I generally don't teach other leaders. I'm usually teaching um the woman who is working her corporate job or the mom of three little kids who are in diapers, mm-hmm. because I believe that these people have spheres of influence that in a way are almost greater than that of people in vocational ministry. So no, I'm not down talking pastors and people in vocational yes. ministry at all, but if you think about it um when we're in vocational ministry we are generally talking to other Christians, right? We're we're, we're educating them, we're discipling them, making them stronger. But then we're sending them out into the yeah. world. Well, the people who are out in the world are having these conversations, like apologetics type conversations, even though they're not trained in apologetics and you know they don't have seminary degrees, right? Yeah. So those are the people that I do feel called to, the first generation Christians trying to. Dis- their kids, or yeah. the people who you know their co-worker is telling them, you know, I think Christianity is an oppressive religion. Like, explain yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, these
1: are real conversations these people are yeah. having, and these women are having, and they just need to be equipped to to be a witness for Christ in the world.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely, and I want to make it very clear for everybody listening, like that is actually the very reason that I wanted to have you on this podcast, because I do believe that everybody, like you said, should be out there having these conversations. And I do think it actually weighs heavier when we learn from, again, air quotes, like just other Christians, like there are people who will listen to me because I'm a pastor, but I'm like, I don't want you to listen to me just because I'm a pastor. Like listen to me because of what's real and what's true and think about it. And you're out there just living like everybody else. I I can be unrelatable in a way, and I work very hard to be relatable <laughs> to people. Yeah. Um, but just a title sometimes, you know, can make a separation. And so yeah. that's why I wanted to have you on. I was like, let's, you teach the people, let's tell them. <laughs> so you basically say there's three things you want people to know what they believe live it confidently and communicate it graciously do you find that these three things kind of coincide often or is there typically one that people tend to struggle with more than the others
1: i think the struggle depends on your personality right we okay. all have our yeah, weaknesses makes sense. and strengths but you need all three and i think the bible gives us a compelling case for knowing all three so we have to know what we believe john the apostle says that we must come to know and believe the love God has for us a lot of people believe it without really knowing it right they have this vague sort of like God is love kind of view but they don't really know the love of God for them you can hear my son in the background no worries (laughs) (laughs) around all the time um so you you can know it Also without believing it. So you can believe it without truly knowing it. You can know it and not let it internally affect your heart, right? And Jesus also said to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He actually added in the mind, which is so fascinating to me. So God wants us to use our minds. It's not, this is not a faith that you're supposed to check your brain at the door.
0: Correct. Yes
1: wants us to live it out, right? He gives us our Holy Spirit so that we take what we know and we embody it. We live it in front of other people. We're a light. We're showing the world the way of holiness. You know, holy Christians are a light to um, other people. You know, we're imperfect, but we're being sanctified. And then lastly, we want to use our mouths to share the gospel. And sadly, in today's, at least in America, um, we have this issue where, every hill is a hill to die on. Like people Ugh. don't know the difference between yes. the resurrection and what you wear to church, like right. equal, <laughs> equal, you know, equal, and equally weighted, weighted issues. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yep. they're like, let's burn this whole thing down. Anytime somebody yes. agrees, disagrees. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that And this, again, the apostle John says this in first John that we are to um, show God's love by how we love others, especially the church. Our, our siblings in faith, and then yeah. obviously the world. So it's all three pieces, but we struggle with different ones depending on our own personality and background.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Let's make it really practical and break it down for people that are listening. That they're like, "All right, well, this is my issue." Maybe they can identify what their struggle is, but they don't know how to fix it. So for people that don't know what they believe, either because they didn't grow up in the faith tradition, or they're just kind of overwhelmed by you know all the various teachers and. Overload of information that's out there, what step can they take in figuring out what it is that they believe?
1: My first question when I'm dealing with someone who is so overwhelmed is how much time do you spend in the Bible itself versus these devotionals and these books? If there is one thing that I would recommend doing as a Christian, if you're overwhelmed, is strip away all the other voices and just return to the Bible itself. Yeah. Yes, parts of it will still be hard to understand, but we are so heavily resourced nowadays in Western society that you can get a study Bible and it'll give you at least a start. Yeah. I would just say, strip away the voices, strip away the Instagram accounts, strip away everything that Lifeway is producing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for a year or for six months, just go to the Bible itself because that's what all of this stuff is based on. Right? right. And we're, we're saying Hopefully. we need all these crutches and all these helps to do this. And I get it. I write Bible studies, but I would rather somebody go straight to the Bible itself and take a break from what I'm producing. If it yeah. means that they are more secure in their faith and in their walk with God. I think we forget that up until what, a hundred years ago, maybe max, most people in the history of Christianity learned who God was and lived out their faith simply on the Bible alone and that people died to even give us the Bible in English. They were killed for it. So if you transported the Bible in English, if you translated the Bible in English, you, some of them were burned at the stake. So we have to remember like, there's a huge cost in how the Bible was given to us. And at the end of the day, if that's all you had, you really don't need anything else. There are helps but you really don't need anything else. So that would be my recommendation for a start. That's good.
0: I like that. Well, and the more that you're actually in scripture yourself, I think the easier it is to go, and I've done this myself. I'm like, "Uh, I'm going to actually stop following this Christian influencer. I'm going to stop following this online, you know, Instagram pastor. Cause I'm like, this doesn't actually align (laughs) biblically. And so, you know, it's a little easier to weed out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Your discernment, your discernment, Muscle gets stronger because you're in the word more and the Holy Spirit speaks to the word. So then, when you do see this stuff on Instagram or TikTok and you're like, that's not right, yeah, (laughs) that's the Lord equipping you. And I think we think, oh, if I go to the Bible and I don't immediately get these happy feelings or like a quick takeaway, then it's useless, but it's not. It's like you're storing it up,
0: you're putting it in, and the Lord will use that
1: later in ways you don't even expect.
0: And it is a muscle. It's beginning to trust ourselves. It's beginning to trust that we are hearing from God. It's beginning to trust that he is speaking to us. You know, all of this takes practice. All right. For people who know what they believe like in their heads or in their hearts, but they don't know how to confidently live it out. Like they're like, I got it. Bible, scripture. Great. No TikTok Christians. Like how did they live? How did they live it out? What could they do today?
1: So for the Christian who's got the knowledge, but is like, I don't know what to do in a specific situation, this is usually the struggle is usually a product of a poor teaching on the role of the Holy Spirit. So as you know, with you being a pastor, I'm sure you've seen this in many different church environments. We have one of two things that often happen. We either have a church environment that never talks about the Holy Spirit at all, mm-hmm. right? You just I grew up. he's like this rando who's kind of hanging out in the wings. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then in other churches, he's only talked about in terms of sensationalism or experiences or these really Mm -hmm. powerful signs and wonders. So in either of those cases, you're not at all addressing his primary role, which is the sanctifier and the comforter of your soul, John 14 through 16. His primary role is to make us into the image of Christ. And he does that by speaking to us, by reminding us of God's truth. It, Jesus said he'll remind you of everything I've spoken to you. He's your comforter, he's your advisor, he comes alongside you. So Jesus actually said, it is better that I leave because you will receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you know, we're always like, I wish I just had Jesus. You do have Jesus. <laughs> you have the Holy Spirit with you. But so many people are not taught to recognize his voice, listen yeah. for his voice, and follow his leading. So When you have the knowledge, it's not about like memorize, memorize. That's important, but memorize it and willpower it. That's not what this is. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Yeah. So how do you abide in him? You remain in constant connection with him and with his spirit. So when you're talking to your coworker and your coworker, you know, is, you know, really against Christianity, let's say. You can be quietly just praying, Lord, I don't know what you want me to say right now, but I know that you will lead my words. And if I'm supposed to say something, you're going to give me the opportunity and you're going to give me the words. And if I don't have both of those things, then I'm going to remain silent until I feel your direct prompting. And then you'll begin to recognize when he does prompt you. And the same thing, you know, if if I'm having an argument with my husband, Lord, I'm really frustrated. I feel like I'm right. I want to but that I'm right, you know. (laughs) What do you want me to say in this moment? And He will lead that. But you're learning to listen, and all of that is abiding. And by abiding in Him, you bear much fruit. And it's not you white knuckling it; it's you just listening and obeying, like that old hymn says: "Trust and obey." Yeah.
0: Way to be happy. Yeah. Jesus, but to
1: trust and obey. That's that's really all it is. We want it to be more complicated than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah or we want it to be simpler where we're like all right abiding in the holy spirit means he's just going to like puppet me and i'm going to go oh you're telling me what to do like yes. no th- it's that obeying piece like you said cuz i promise you i've been in an argument with my husband felt the holy spirit lead me in one way and i can still choose <laughs> to go another direction <laughs> so
1: true you're you're it's it's a submission to him you know like it's yes. uh, to the to the holy spirit in that yes. moment like you you always have him with you but you get to decide how submitted you are to him, right? And when you know the facts, then it is like that obedient step. I have this conversation with my kids all the time because we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot with them, and we're trying to teach them how to listen for His voice, um, even before salvation. We'll teach them listen for His conviction because He'll yeah. still con- He convicts the world, and right now you're the world, sister. So like you, yeah. <laughs> can, you can listen to His voice. It's listening for His leading, and then intentionally. Trusting and saying, God, in faith, that your way is better than mine, mm-hmm. I'm obeying. I think we forget that obedience is an act of faith, yeah, and for the long-term Christians, remembering faith isn't just what saves you, faith is what daily empowers you yeah. into obedience. yeah, that's a good reminder
0: and that leads us into your last point of communicating things graciously. I'm going to go ahead and venture that probably every single one of us uh especially those of us who think we're good communicators can probably learn a little more grace so what is a common mistake that you see people make when they're trying to communicate their beliefs and what can we do instead
1: well i'll tell you what my common mistake is when i'm trying to okay. communicate my beliefs <laughs> probably other people can relate to is we feel this urgency to correct what's wrong we are just like that is so wrong and it so needs me to correct it. I was talking to um, a friend of mine in my prayer group about this, a specific situation where I was trying to do this. And she's like, so you're the Messiah now. And I was like, oh, that's a good way to put it. Like, we think we have to play the role of the Holy Spirit instead of delaying and saying, what exactly do you want me to say in this moment? Mm-hmm. Even sometimes we're like, oh, I'm supposed to be kind and loving, but we still blaze ahead and say something when maybe we weren't supposed to say anything at all, you know? Um, So I think just with communicating graciously, it's again, going back to like the fruit of the spirit, being patient and kind and loving and good and all of those things. It's the fruit of the Holy spirit. So we've got to be willing to wait on him before speaking, being slow to speak, right? Slow to anger. Um, and that is very, very hard when you are a justice driven personality, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure we have many of those who are listening. Yeah.
0: Well, and even since we keep talking about social media, I think that's an added pressure of like, we have to speak, especially when it comes to justice, we have to speak to all the things and we have to say it first and we have to say it now. And like, I think we end up saying, like you said, either things that we don't mean, or we hastily say something where maybe what we, our motivation or what we mean or our intention is true, but we rush to get it out there so fast that then it comes across the wrong way or in an accidentally harmful way. You know, it's just that like, speak to everything and say it now.
1: Exactly. Which is, that's the culture's way,
0: you know? Correct. I think
1: as a church, we have to remember, we don't take our cues from the culture. The culture says. If you don't speak to it right now, then you don't support me or love me or any of that. But they're not operating by the Spirit's wisdom, which says, I will tell you what to speak. Like, how many times in the Bible do we see God saying to someone, I will tell you what to speak? (laughs) He says it to Moses. (laughs) He says it to the prophets. And later on in the New Testament, you know, God equips particular people to speak to their culture by the Spirit's leading. And so we, when we get ahead of that and we operate by what the world says we should do, you must speak to everything, like you said, like yeah. on social media, then we're operating from anxiety and urgency and fear. And then we wonder why, you No, know, we have so much conflict. I think conflict will come with the gospel, of course, but if we walk by the spirit, we'll find that a lot of those conversations are more productive for the gospel.
0: Well, and then truly we're answering to not God we're answering to culture. We're answering to the strangers on the internet who are in our comments going, why don't you care about this issue? When really like, that's not who we answer to anyway, you know?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: All right. So let's talk about your book. Let's talk about Every Woman a Theologian. And I love, it's such a bold title, which I know is already your title. It's already your thing. What do you hope people take away from reading this book?
1: I was talking about this on Instagram because I think it's a book that is, it's a very unique um, niche or audience because it's not written for academics. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's softened and it's made much more approachable, but it's a lot more challenging than a women's devotional. Okay. So you're, you're trying to persuade the people who are accustomed to devotionals to read this book and to learn and grow but your academics are probably not all going to agree on it because I present multiple views within Christianity, multiple theological perspectives. So that being the case, it's kind of like when I wrote the book, I thought, well, I'm alienating two major um, groups of people who I would hope would be reading it. (laughs) Uh The goal of in doing that though, the goal of this book is for the women who maybe feel intimidated by theology or reading these academic Homes, these big commentaries and stuff to have a more approachable and yet biblical source to understand why is there evil in the world? Mm. Why did we need a savior from sin? Mm. What happened on the cross? Why does the resurrection even matter? How do I walk by the Spirit? What's the church supposed to look like? This book addresses all of those things because all of those things are important questions our culture is asking. And people in our churches are asking. My heart would be for women to graduate from the average trade book, you know, that encourages them in faith to really owning what they believe and then feeling confident that they can have these conversations instead of saying, you know, well, I have a pastor friend you can talk to. You know, yeah. pastors are discipling so many people already that they often don't have the time to invest in a ton of other discipleship conversations. We need all of our congregants in our churches to have these conversations. I heard um Francis Chan once say that the church in in the current American structure where you have a church body right in a building can only expand as much as the building can hold, right? Otherwise it has to get a new location. He compared it to Airbnbs where, you know, a hotel can only hold so many, right? But Airbnb completely circumvented the hotel industry because it took homes and it allowed you to turn any home into a hotel. So there's endless expansion available. That's the heart of evangelism, right? And that's the heart of any healthy church is for the people in the church to not just come and consume from the pastors. It's for them to go out and make disciples and to pastor people in the world. So I hope that this book makes these little pastors, if you will, for lack of a better (laughs) word, little shepherds out in the world who can explain the truth of the gospel to people confidently and graciously so that we win more and more people to know Jesus Christ. Ultimately, my goal is evangelism. And I think good theology always leads to more people knowing Jesus.
0: Yeah. Amen. I'm over here. Like I want to slap the table. I'm like so excited about <laughs> what you just said, because that's what truly our whole podcast is about. And it's something that's very, very important to our church. And I know that not everybody listening, not everybody that listens to Becoming Church podcasts goes to Mosaic, but many of them do. And that is something that's so important to us and that we're so about is like, you don't come to church. You are the church. You yeah. are just as equipped and just as capable and just as called to go tell people about Jesus as we are. And if you're only coming here and doing it on Sunday mornings for an hour, like, I don't know, go find another church because that's not what we're about. Like, we want you out in the world, you know? Yeah. Another thing that really intrigued me that you said, because again, very much aligns with uh, who we are, I would say, is the, the idea that you put multiple perspectives into your book. And you didn't just say like, here's the one thing, why did you choose to do that? Because I know from experience, you are putting yourself in a harder position and you're, you're not only not pleasing one group of people, you're kind of displeasing everyone and bringing on extra criticism. So yeah. why did you do that?
1: That's one of the core values of our ministry, which so the ministry and the book have the same name, every woman a theologian. And the reason I do it, Is because I believe that in order to advance the gospel the most, we have to understand what other denominations within Christianity believe. We have to understand what the hills to die on truly are. And die on those hills. Absolutely. But on the things that aren't hills to die on, we have to, more than ever before, in my opinion, we have to link arms with our fellow believers who unite around the essential core doctrines of the faith to advance the gospel. We're coming to a point in society where Christians can't afford to be battling one another Mm -hmm. on peripheral issues. Now, I am absolutely adamant that we must unite around the core doctrines, and all of those are outlined in the book. but. When it comes to, you know, preferences about music style or even differences about how we practice communion or baptism, things like that. Yeah. Those are big issues. We should understand them. And we have resources in our shop for those things, but we've got to unite around the core because the gospel needs to go out and we need every single denomination to get the gospel out there. And bring more people to know the Lord. And so that's why, yes, it is going to be one of those books that because it contains multiple viewpoints, it's going to not satisfy everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that the church is very diverse. It's diverse culturally. It's diverse theologically. And we must be able to stand on the core so that the gospel reaches the most people. That's called being ecumenical, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, I think, the most powerful way for us to see
0: the church united as we go forward. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, having different perspectives and understanding different reasonings, different beliefs is not confusing. It actually, if you will dig in, if you can, like, settle into being uncomfortable for a little bit, it actually helps you to better understand and to know what you do believe. Because instead of just going, I believe this one thing because that's what I was told was right. You have then yourself wrestled through in the scripture with the Holy Spirit discernment and guidance to go, this is what I believe about this and why Yeah, it bolsters that confidence.
1: It does. And you can say like, I've wrestled with um, the issue of women in ministry, or I've wrestled with the Mm -hmm. issue of believers, baptism versus baptizing babies and here's where I've landed but now I understand how those people come to that conclusion and I can have healthy conversations with them even though I might not change my mind that's an example of grace and truth and it's not compromising because you're still standing on where you believe you know yeah um I think, again, that just goes back to understanding what the core is and what we need to stand on and where we need to give grace. And the whole last chapter of the book is all about that particular topic. So um, it tells you how to apply
0: the theology that you're learning. I love that. And it also turns us towards each other, again, seeing the humanity of each other instead of making other Christians our enemies.
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: you know like let's hey guys let's stop doing that (laughs) was there a particular part of the book that was either hard for you to write or that ended up differently than you thought it would when you started writing it
1: yes I wrote a chapter on creation or cosmology the purpose of the universe um and I also talked about the theology of sin and the theology of identity so humans sin and the universe three massive ologies that are all in one particular chapter and it was such a hard chapter for me to write because I was trying to do do justice to each topic and each one is like a Pandora's box you know yes open and it Um, it ended up that chapter alone I think was 9,000 words they had to cut it down it's not 9,000 words don't anybody be afraid that one got cut down but um it was definitely hard to write, but it's I think the reason for that is those three really are so essential to understanding the rest of the gospel, right? Why were we made? How were we made? And what happened to our image? How were we broken? Because if we don't understand the purpose of the universe, the loving creation of a loving God, um, the fact that we were made in his image and all humans are still in his image, even yeah. before knowing Christ and being brought to the fullness yeah. of that image. Um, And then sin, ruining it and needing a savior. If we don't understand that, we really can't understand why the gospel is good news. So it was very hard to write, but thankfully I had a lot of good input on it. And so hopefully it, it comes off (laughs) clearly for our readers.
0: I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. All right. Last question for you, because the podcast is called Becoming Church. What is a practical way that our real life human listeners can go out and become the church today in their real lives?
1: Well, we've kind of talked about this already, but I feel like this just the, the drum that I beat is mm-hmm. we're truly to become the church. We have to unite with other Christians around the gospel, the core of it in the holy living that God requires and take that into the world as our witness. When we go out and show the world, guess what? The Christians are people of conviction they're people of holiness, but they're also people of grace and love. That is so rare to see that it can't help but be compelling. And that is what I hope for all Christians today.
0: Awesome. Felicia, thank you so much for being here. I'm so proud to know you and I'm so excited that I follow you. I'm going to keep following you and learning from you. And we will link up your website and the book and everything in the show notes so that people can find you and follow along as well. I hope that you feel encouraged and empowered to be able to go out and confidently just live out your faith. Now, listen, it doesn't mean that you have to go to seminary. Like Felicia said, you don't need a theology degree, but you can definitely go out and take small steps today to become the church. That is always our hope for you. And we did talk a lot about social media today, so listen, make sure you're engaging with us on social media. You can follow Mosaic, you can follow me, you can follow Felicia, all of our guests on every episode are linked up. So you can give us your feedback. If there's somebody that you want us to talk to, hey, tag them in the comments and I will reach out. We will see what we can do to get them here. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.